welcome into another edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can find us on ebonybird.com, ebony underscore bird, and of course, this podcast coming to you through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, the official fan side affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens. Check out our Ebony Bird app on the iTunes Store. Again, you can download it for your mobile devices. Three reasonable free agent wide receivers for the Ravens to target, uh, written by Joe Schiller. And DJ Moore NFL Draft Profile by Corey Hughes at CHughes612. The two articles posted up there so far today. And, of course, we have site expert Chris Schrissler at FootballMan58, who had a big piece the other day on his top five free agents for the Ravens to target. And then joining us today, filling in for Joe tonight, is going to be fellow contributor Connor Brooks. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor underscore Brooks14. I am on Twitter at jmcdonald 95 So, Fellas, before we get right into it, we're going to break down a crazy NFL divisional weekend. We're going to go over some of the key moments, go over, talk about the Steelers losing, of course, and recap everything there. We're going to guess when the Ravens are going to hold their uh, State of the Ravens press conference. Usually they have that by now, but I'm assuming they're waiting until after the postseason ends, but we'll give our preview for when we're going to think that's going to take place. And then with Martin Luther King Day happening the other day, we're going to go over some dreams for the Ravens off seasons for all of us and then we're going to preview the conference championship weekend so before we get started I know Chris your social media your Twitter page has been blowing up with your new puppy Goose so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about her yeah uh, my puppy is Goose a little pug girl she's named after Tony Saragusa actually so you gotta keep it Ravens yeah well I had a bunch of boy names and I was like well Goose is the one that can go both ways so we went there yeah, goose. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh my goodness. So I just took her to the vet for the first time, check up. She's healthy, happy, ready to go. Um, and I was trying to train her this morning. You know, just start, you know, training her a bit. So I had treats in, in my po- my jacket pocket. She said, screw this. She kamikaze pilot jumped into the pocket with the treats in it. Well, one last thing, since this is the first time Connor's been joining the podcast, our listeners, you know, I'm sure they've been checking out some of your work on Ebony Bird, but for those who don't know, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where people can find you on social media? Yeah, so um, I'm a baseball player, uh, freshman at uh, Central Alabama uh, Community College, and uh, I'm a pitcher and a first baseman, and, you know, I just, I really love the Ravens, always wanted to get my opinion out there, so I started with uh, Ebony Bird about a year ago. Um, somewhere around January last year. And uh, I stopped for a little bit during baseball season, and then I got back on. And it's, uh, you know, it's been really good. You know, you can find me at Instagram, Connor Brooks 10, and uh, Twitter, Connor, Bro- Connor underscore Brooks 14. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to get a lot of hot takes on there and uh, a lot of Ravens, a lot of Lakers, a lot of Alabama. What's your connection with uh, Alabama? I'm actually from Alabama. I'm it's a crazy thing. Um, I'm from Auburn, but I'm an Alabama fan. You know, I, was, I was grew up in a Alabama Crimson Tide home, and uh, you know, been a been a big Alabama fan since I was born. And uh, you know, and, so I had a, I had a pretty good I've had a pretty good January so far. <laughs> and speaking of the Alabama Crimson Tide, I saw Connor favorited my tweet yesterday of one of my former high school colleagues who I graduated with. Her name is Bethany Miller, and she just graduated from Alabama, and she's now a reporter producer for WVUA Channel 23 and she got to cover the Sugar Bowl, the national championship and all of Alabama football the past couple seasons and I had her on my other podcast at Charm City Birdwatch which you can check all that out by the way. She gave us the rundown on how Atlanta and New Orleans were, what her experience was like and some possible 
Alabama targets for the Ravens to look at in the upcoming draft. But moving on now, crazy NFL divisional weekend. You know, I, I, we got to talk about a lot of things here, but I particularly want to talk about the Steelers and the Stephon Diggs walk-off touchdowns. Just, just a crazy weekend or crazy Sunday, especially of football. And really, that Stephon Diggs walk-off touchdown reminds a lot of Ravens fans of the Mile High Miracle, where Jacoby Jones, of course, caught the reception that uh, scored a touchdown and sent that game into overtime. But I know a lot of Ravens fans are going to be biased because of that moment being so well in our, in our hearts, but it's really hard to top that one, not just because this was, again, a divisional playoff game, but this didn't send the game into overtime. This ended the entire thing, and it was just an impossible Hail Mary, a 61-yard completion, I believe, from Case Keenum to Diggs to cap off 29-24 win. How did you react just watching that live? Did you just have flashbacks to Denver and Mile High? Well, the first thing I thought was go Terps. Uh, good job for the, for the Terps. It was actually a great day for the Terps because not only did Stephon Diggs make that a miraculous play, but Yannick Ngakwe forced a fumble on the Roethlisberger, which Delvin Smith returned for a touchdown. So it was a great day for Terps, and that was my first thought. But, yeah, it was very much like the mile-high miracle. And I think if you're a Vikings fan, you probably think it was better. And if you're a Ravens fan, you probably think Jacoby Jones is better. In truth, they're probably equal moments. I mean, those are the kind of moments in sports. That's why you watch the game, though, because, like, you never know when that's going to happen. And, like, when that happens, it makes all those other moments worth it. It's just unbelievable. So, I was really happy for Diggs. He's one of my favorite athletes in the entire world. Um, loved him ever since he was a Terp. And uh, I just, I'm just i so happy for Stephon Diggs. Uh, I can't believe the Ravens passed on him. But, you know, a lot of teams passed on him. And a lot of teams were wrong. So, yeah, go, go Stephon Diggs, go Terps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was sitting there. I was actually me and my girlfriend watching it. And I was I looked over to her and I was like, it's about to be a mile-high miracle in Minnesota. Because I just... Either they were going to kick a field goal to win it or something was going to happen. And, you know, when they threw that ball to Diggs, you know, poor guy, uh, Marcus Williams for the Saints. Uh, you know, I hope his career doesn't get based off of just one play because he did have a really good season, actually. But, uh, you know, and Saints, he added to that excellent draft class that they had. And so, uh, but yeah, it's great for Stephon Diggs, man. Uh, wish he was a Raven, but he's not. You know, um, I was really happy for him. And, uh, you know, just watching that when it happened, my jaw just dropped. I was like, wow. You know, like, out of all things that could happen, you know, that happens right there. And, you know, all the guy that has, to, has to do right there is just make the tackle. And, you know, it, it's terrible for him, but it's great for the Vikings. And so we get a, a one versus two seed matchup in the NFC Championship, so that'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the memes of Marcus Williams, the particular one I enjoy is the one where Stone Cold Steve Austin's <laughs> – yeah, that that's that's been my favorite meme to look at so far with the Sunner. Raheem Moore is still playing though, so we're you know he'll be fine. Raheem Moore's in the league, he'll be fine. All jokes aside, I mean a, a stellar season for Williams. Just unfortunate the way it happened, but you can't. Even though Stephon Diggs is another name that the Ravens could have had or what could have been, you can't help but be happy for him and happy for the Terps as well. Seeing a guy like that come from Maryland and uh, have that moment, because that's honestly what all football players work for. Uh, any athlete really uh, aspires to have a moment like that. Moving on uh, now, before the Vikings game took place, of course, a wild game. I, I think it was the highest scoring divisional game in NFL history in divisional weekend. 45-42 Jaguars final. They get to go to New England now. Steelers giving up all 45 of those points at home. Mike Tomlin made a very 
questionable decision with um, after the Steelers had scored a touchdown to come within seven points and one score. There were two minutes and 18 seconds left in the game, and he elected to onside kick it instead of kicking it off and forcing the Jaguars back at not-so-favorable field position. He elected to onside kick it. The ball doesn't even go the right distance. It hits a Steelers player, and the Jaguars get it at the Steelers' 36-yard line and kick a field goal on a four-play drive to go up by 10. Really questionable decision. I know a lot of Steelers fans are calling for a Tomlin's head, which I think is absolutely absurd. But, I mean, I think it's really interesting uh, on the Steelers. They have so much talent, especially on offense, capable of winning a Super Bowl every single season. And really, since they uh, got into to the Super Bowl against the Packers and lost, they haven't really gotten close to sniffing another Super Bowl appearance. I mean, they made it to the AFC Championship last year, but time and time again, you know, whether it was the Ravens going up to Pittsburgh in 2014 in the wild card round or whether it was the Jaguars this year, we we talk about the Ravens missing the playoffs. The Steelers keep making the playoffs every year, but it ending in disappointment just like the Ravens, I think there's a lot of similarities where the two franchises are at right now. I certainly think the Steelers are far ahead where the Ravens are from a talent standpoint, but in terms of getting it done on the field, both these teams really are just having issues getting to the postseason and then winning. We'll go over to Connor and then Chris. Um, obviously, I'm sure we're all happy the Steelers are out of the playoffs. It's another less team to worry about as in teams of Ravens fans don't want to win. But, you know, the, the Jaguars shocked the world this past weekend, and I don't see how they can't do it this weekend with that defense. Yeah, so I got three quick points about this. So, first of all, you can make a huge argument that Ryan Chazier being out to the Steelers has been the biggest impactful injury the whole season, you know. Aaron Rodgers was big, of course, but Ryan Chazier, you just saw how much that defense just fell apart after he was done. I mean, the Ravens absolutely torched the Steelers, running the football and throwing the football. He was, I mean, that, that injury really just absolutely derailed the Steelers season. So, uh, and then also uh, one good thing for Ravens fans uh, was that the Steelers lost, but also the Jaguars are showing that you can win with a power run game and a lot of good defense. So that that that's a good thing for the Ravens. You're, you know, they're showing a glimmer. Of, of course, you know, the Jaguars gave up 42 and scored 45, but, you know, they their whole season's been based off of defense and power run game. And then a third point is that the Steelers fans want Mike Tomlin gone or the owners want Mike Tomlin gone, they're, they're nuts because not, Mike Tomlin's a great coach. And, you know, he's he hadn't gotten them where they wanted to be, but they've also been, you know, the Patriots have been in their way a couple of times here and there. Yeah, the first thing I have to say about the Steelers losing is, <laughs> the second thing I have to say about the Steelers losing is, the Steelers have an attitude problem. Mike Mitchell is uh, talking about the Patriots before, yeah, they played the Jaguars. Uh, they were – the series had no idea that this was coming. And the entire season I said that this Steelers team was cocky. They got them by on a week's schedule. And that they were a very good team and a Super Bowl contender. But I knew they would fall because they are the, they were the cockiest team in the NFL this year. And when you have Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown – making up 90% of your success, yeah, you don't get to be that cocky. You have superstars that make things easy. Um, when push comes to shove, you need a little bit more than that. The, you, you, need, you, need a, you need a team that comes together focused at the right moment. I think the Jaguars were that team. Um, 
I think Mike Tomlin is a very good NFL coach. I think he's earned everything he's gotten in Pittsburgh. But, he, you know, questionable decisions uh, in games. I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago when the Ravens were 5-11 and 11 and swept the Steelers because the Steelers' game plan in both games was absolutely horrible. And then you have the Josh Scobie thing and the Mike Vick go for know, fourth and two in overtime, all that jazz. Questionable decisions have always been something that Mike Tomlin was known for, but he's a great leader. He'll get it together, and Pittsburgh's not going anywhere. I'd love to say, oh, well, they follow Pittsburgh. No, it's not happening. Pittsburgh's going to be right back there next year. Big pain in the butt for the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, the Ravens haven't beaten them for a while now. It's It's been it's been a rough go. I have three straight losses to them, two of the most painful losses I can remember. I'll say this right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars have every ability to beat New England. If you're a betting man, I think you you put your money on New England because, well, you've seen this movie before. But I'm rooting for Jacksonville, Minnesota Super Bowl. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And if that were the case, it would be the first time in NFL history that the Super Bowl hosting team will get to play in their own stadium. The Vikings have a chance to do that this weekend. We're going to get more into that later on the Amity Bird podcast. But real quickly, just any thoughts on the Eagles or the Patriots game? I know the Eagles game was close and the Patriots was more of a blowout, but these two games certainly hailed in comparison to what we saw on Sunday. The the Eagles game was certainly good, but certainly the majority of what people were talking about, the big moments, the controversies from the NFL from Sunday. So, Chris and then Connor, just any quick thoughts on the two games we saw on Saturday before we move on? Well, I thought the uh, Titans game was frustrating because in the beginning you saw what they could do and they came in with a good game plan. It was Bill Balachek shows you he's the ultimate in game adjuster. So, he, he shut that down pretty quickly. Um, that shows you Belichick's merit uh, and why his offensive and defensive coordinators are going to be head coaches elsewhere. And when you look at uh, the the Eagles, um, that was just a fun football game because I love games like that where every play matters. Every play matters, and you don't know what's going to be the play that decides the outcome. So that was a hell of a lot of fun. And, you know, the Eagles got lucky because Julio Jones is capable of making that catch. And I don't know if he makes it nine times out of ten, but he probably makes it five out of ten. So they got a little lucky. That was a that was a coin flip throw. Um, but, yeah, it was, that was a fun weekend of football. You know, New England was a little boring. That, that was a little boring. But other than that, fun weekend of football. Yeah, so about the Titans game, it just really – frustrated me as a Ravens fan because I, I was sitting there watching it and I was like, man, the Ravens should be in this game because if we beat Cincinnati, we go we go into Kansas City and we win. You know, we, we absolutely win that game. And then going into New England, I think the Ravens and the Steelers are the only teams that aren't intimidated of going into Foxborough and beating those guys. You know, I, I think that they just have that mindset that, that Foxborough is just another place. It's like a second home and we go in there and, and we beat people. We beat the Patriots, and so that was frustrating for me because I thought we would have given the Patriots a much better game than the Titans. But uh, you know, we didn't earn it. So, but again, about the Eagles game, you know, the Eagles got really lucky. I think Julio Jones should make that catch, and uh, a lot of people giving the flat uh, for Julio Jones not making the catch. But I, the blame for me goes to Steve Sarkeesian. That 
That guy took a high-powered offense mm-hmm. last year and turned it into an absolute dreadful offense man. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, you should, you should win with that. They just they scored 10 points. So I kind of want to piggyback off that. The thing I don't like about that play call at the end of the game for Sarkeesian and the Falcons was that it took away so much of the field. So you you centered all of the defense on Julio Jones, which I think you could have done without even trying. I think Julio Jones, because he gets the number one attention, I would have thought a misdirection where you take it to Julio and throw it to Sanu or something like that would be good. But I think not making them defend the entire field was a mistake. And I also think in that situation, runs don't get called enough. I don't think runs are expected, and I think runs could be successful in that situation. Well, moving on now, of course, the Ravens held a season-ender press conference with John Harbaugh the other week, but still no word on when the State of the Ravens press conference is going to take place. It typically happens a week or so after the Ravens' last game, whenever it's played, but in the wake of the ticket issues and the outrage from not only the London protests, but also the failure treats of the postseason again, the Ravens haven't had their State of the Ravens press conference yet, maybe waiting until some of the emotions die down a little bit. I don't know if that's the reason why they're not, they haven't had it yet. I'm just speculating. But going over to Connor and then Chris, I get the vibe that they're waiting until the Super Bowl is over and football's over, period. Maybe I could see a case where they announce it for next week when there's no football actually going on except for the Pearl Bowl, but they haven't made a formal announcement yet. Is it safe to assume they're just going to wait until the after the Super Bowl's over now? Um, I, I really don't know because... It was reported, I think Jeff from the Baltimore Sun, uh, he, he reported that uh, the they're all meeting in Florida, you know, like they do every year. So, and I think that's happening this this weekend. So it's, it's happening pretty soon. Uh, and you know, usually they they do the conference, you know, right after that. And I, maybe it might be next week. It might be after the Super Bowl. Who knows? Well, I I'm more interested in why they haven't done it yet. I. I, if I was a Ravens, I would rather do it when people were angry than when people don't care. I would rather do it when people were angry than when people don't care. And well, my question is, is there a big announcement that's coming and they're waiting because of that? Or is it because they're scared? They don't want to eat crow. They don't want to say they're sorry for the absolute disgraceful collapse of the Baltimore Ravens. Because this is three years in a row about the playoffs. This is unacceptable. This is not okay. And I think what I want as a fan is Steve Bashotti to sit up there, lean against that table, and eat it. I want him to say, I'm sorry. This isn't good enough. I think what we're going to get is, oh, well, we're a committed franchise. It tells us how it is, and we're going to blah, 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 and everything's good, and nothing's good, but we're going to say things are good. So I want them to get it over with because I'd rather go when, when people are angry than when people don't care at all. Because they wait long enough, people aren't going to care at all. Yeah, I'd like to take it back on that. Like, uh, you know, they've got some explaining to do because they kept Harbaugh after people were calling for his head. They kept Mortimer after people were calling for his head. And then they promote from within for D.C. And, uh, you know, I'm – they they just got some explaining to do to the whole fan base, you know, whether whether or not I didn't want Harbaugh fired, but, you know, I can see I can definitely see why people did and you know, so I'm I'm interested to see what uh, you know, the Ravens Rats have to say about, you know, keeping the people keeping Harbaugh and what about last draft is interesting to me. You know, they didn't really have a lot of offense in the draft. They didn't have a lot of offense in the uh 
in the free agency, you know, outside of Macklin, mm-hmm. it's an absolute disappointment. But so I'm 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 very interested to see what they have to say about it. And to kind of go off of what Connor was saying with adding more playmakers in the draft, that's one of the things I have on my list of things included in my dream for the Ravens offseason when I go to bed at night and dream of stuff I want the Ravens to do. We're all going to go around right now the Emily Bird podcast, piggybacking off the Martin Luther King holiday course taking place on Monday this past week. Our dreams for the Ravens offseason, I will go ahead and start. Um, I'd like the Ravens to cut the following players, Jeremy Macklin, Danny Woodhead, Ladarius Webb, and possibly Austin Howard, depending on what they're going to be able to do in the draft. I do not want them to cut Brandon Carf just from a depth standpoint and from injuries of what we've seen uh, this season, too, with Jimmy Smith going down. I would like them to re-sign Ryan Jensen and Mike Wallace. And then, I just going off of what Connor said, reverse the draft philosophy, please. You know, finally, after the Super Bowl, it's been mainly defense. The offensive uh, draft picks haven't panned out. And the fact of the matter is they need so much on at several skill positions. I w- they have seven picks in the draft. I would reverse what they did last year, which is take five defensive players and then two offensive players. I would reverse that completely. I would draft two receivers, a tight end, and a running back, a quarterback, an offensive tackle, and an inside linebacker. I say the offensive tackle because I think there's a realistic chance Austin Howard could be cut, and Hurt James Hurst is also a free agent, as is Ryan Jensen. So adding another offensive tackle wouldn't be a bad idea. Maybe even if you want to move Alex Lewis out the tackle, which I know they've discussed, if you want to draft a guard, whatever, just add another offensive lineman. And then last, target a veteran free agent wide receiver, whether it's Mike Wallace, who's played with the Ravens the last two seasons, as we know, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, possibly Terrell Pryor. It's not a loaded wide receiver pool out there in free agents, but there are some possible fits for the Ravens there. We'll shoot over to Chris and then Connor. When you go to bed, like I said, every every night, and you dream about the Ravens like I know we all do because we're obsessed, what are you dreaming of that you hope the Ravens do in the offseason? I want Ozzie Newsom to step down and have Eric DeCosta take over and see what he can do. That's my first thing. I We talk about reversing the draft philosophy. I want to see if Eric DeCosta is worth anything as a decision maker. I want to see him with a final decision. But Getting down to business, I want to get rid of a lot of dead weight. I'm fine with saying goodbye to Brandon Carr. I'm fine with saying goodbye to Jeremy Macklin. I'm fine with saying goodbye to Danny Woodhead. I free cap space, do whatever you got to do within reason. Uh, you know, sign back Mike Wallace, sign a big time free agent, whether it be Jarvis Landry or Allen Robinson. I think Baltimore has to hold themselves to one of them. If you don't get that, at least Paul. Paul Richardson, but let's say my dream is a is Jarvis Landry, and if you can't get uh, in the first round, if you can't get uh, Cortland Sutton or Calvin Ridley, you trade back, draft DJ Moore, you use that extra pick to draft Troy Fumagalli and Sony Michelle, and um, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. I want offense. I want wide receivers. I want tight end. I want a and, and we signed Jensen. Resign Jensen. He's worth it because if you look at the offensive line, the offensive line doesn't have a damn worry in the in the world. You sign Jensen. I mean, everybody comes back from injury, and all of a sudden, that offensive line might be the best in the National Football League. So I am pumped up, but I want Eric DaCosta to get the final say. I want Ozzie Newsome on a beach uh, celebrating the wonderful career that he has because let's be honest, he had a great career. I want it to be done. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know about the Austin Newsom thing. I, I really like Austin Newsom. And, uh, you know, I, I, because I think DaCosta, if you're going to change GMs, DaCosta's in the decision process just as much as, you know, Ozzie Newsom is. Of course, Ozzie gets the final say, but, you know, he's in it just as much. And I think he has almost as much say as Ozzie does. So if you're going to change GMs, just completely change it. Like, get rid of DaCosta, get rid of Newsom, which I don't think they should do because I really like Newsom and I really like DaCosta. But my dream for the Ravens is to have a Saints-like draft. The Saints got four impact players in their draft, Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, guys like that. And uh, I really want a draft like that on the offensive side of the ball it, and even, you know, drafting a middle linebacker. You know, if, if Roquan Smith is there, get him because that kid can play. I watched him play against Alabama, and I was just like, man, that kid's flying all over the field. So, you know, I, I want a Saints-like draft. And about all the cuts, you know, I, I, I'm really on the fence about Brandon Carr because – We've seen what happens to the Ravens when cornerbacks get hurt, and it, it's not good. You know, Jimmy Smith getting hurt really hurts us every year. You know, in 2014, it really hurt us. In, in 16, it hurt us. And, my, and this past year, it really hurt us. So I'm on the fence about it. You know, if if you can free up that space and maybe sign a, you know, a mid-tier cornerback for $1 or $2 million, that, that'll be okay. But, you know, find, find somebody on the offensive side in free agency, uh, one guy that would be interesting is Brandon Marshall, who last year we all wanted uh, as a wide receiver, and he is most likely going to get cut from the Giants. So that would be an interesting fit. Well, only concern I have with Marshall is his age, but I mean, if they're going to draft one or two receivers in the draft, it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring in a veteran uh, as Marshall's caliber to kind of mentor the young guys. And if you're going to still have Perryman on the team, having a veteran, I don't see any problem with that at all. Moving on here on the Ebony Bird Podcast, again, joined by site expert Chris Schistler and contributor Connor Brooks tonight. I'm Jay McDonald, 95. Chris is footballman, 58, and Connor is Connor underscore Brooks, 14. In addition to the fan, the Ebony Bird app, I want to encourage all of you to check out the fan-sided website, the general just fan-sided website, where you can find you know streams not only on the Ravens, but for the Orioles, for fantasy, for college sports, for WWE, for things like Netflix as well. There's literally so much options for you to check out on fansided.com so please head over there and get your custom feed set up and have all the different websites you want to follow highly encourage everybody to do that we're going to wrap things up here on tonight's episode with a little preview of the conference championship weekend as well as some picks again the jaguars and patriots squaring off at three o'clock on sunday followed by the nfc championship at 6:40. neither of these two matchups occurred in the regular season this is the first time we've seen both of them starting off with the jags and the patriots at, at three the Patriots are coming in favored by nine. They have the number one offense in the regular season with, along with the 29-ranked defense. The Jags are ended the regular season with the second-ranked defense and the sixth-ranked offense, although they did have the top-rushing offense in the NFL in terms of total yards. One thing I do think is interesting to uh, keep in mind, I've heard of this on a lot of podcasts, including Sims and Lefko. I listen to them every week. Uh, I heard a good point. I think it was Chris Sims mentioned that these two teams scrimmaged in the uh, over the summer. They had a bunch of joint practices, and they had a regular season game. I th- that's that could be big. I mean, we know the type of schemer Belichick is, and I, I I have I wonder in the back of my head, you know, as if the Patriots already didn't have a big enough advantage with the home field. Just Belichick knowing what he saw over the summer, and again, that was a couple months ago. Things could change, but 
I do think that's something to keep in the back of everyone's mind, and it's going to come down to whether or not the Bo- uh, Blake Bortles can shock the world again or if the Jags' defense is going to be able to contain Brady. They did struggle a little bit against the Steelers last week. They did score a touchdown on defense, uh, but they gave up 42 points. I'm going New England here. I have them beating the Jaguars 27-20. to Could I see the Jaguars getting into a Super Bowl in the next few seasons? Absolutely. They have the talent to do it. I would love nothing more for them to shock me and shock the world this Sunday. I just can't see Blake Bortles and company defeating Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Obviously in a couple years because Brady's not going to be around and possibly Belichick. But right now at this moment, I still, I know it's it's not the popular bet, but it's the safe bet as much as people might not like to hear it. I'm going Patriots here. We'll go over to Connor and then Chris on your thoughts and your pick for this game. Yeah, I got Patriots 24-13. Uh, I think that Brady does just enough on, on offense to win, and I, I don't think that the Jags do much because uh, Belichick's best thing coaching is, is he always takes away your strengths. And, you know, you see him against the Steelers, he's always going to take away Antonio Brown. He, he's going to make you beat – uh, he's going to make you beat the Patriots with, you know, your your lesser guys. And I think uh, Leonard Fournette and that and T.J. Yeldon, that, that running game, I think they're going to take that away big time. They're going to make Blake Borders beat them. And they, you know, he hasn't shown that he can do that. And I think that um, I think the Patriots will have a really good scheme against them this week. And I don't think the Jaguars do much on offense at all. Yeah, I, I agree with Connor. I think he hit that game right on the, right on the head. Uh one thing I will say is I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy that picked the Jaguars last week. Uh, I'll toot my horn. Um, I, I did that just for fun, to be honest. But, you know, I did see the matchup, and I thought the Steelers were cocky. Um, I don't see the Jaguars beating the Patriots. I just don't like the matchup. I think Connor hit it really. There's no point of repeating. Um, and... I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to go to the Super Bowl. I give me 17-14 over the Eagles, and for the Patriots game, give me 21 to 10. So about the Eagles game, um, I, I got I got the Vikings 28-17. Um, and Chris, I actually actually saw you tweeted about this. There are two quarterbacks that are playing in this game that could be interesting options. Well, not playing, but Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Teddy Bridgewater are interesting options in the future for the Ravens. Absolutely. I, I keep telling people that Teddy Bridgewater is a good free agent option for the Ravens. They're like, oh, why we have Flacco? Well, my point is, if you don't have the right quarterback, you can't win in this league. And if you don't have a quarterback pushing your quarterback, you can't win in this league. And I'll tell you this right now. If Teddy Bridgewater ended up being a starter and you throw money at the quarterback position, you're already doing that. You're throwing money at the quarterback position and it's not working. You might as well, if you're going to throw a bunch of money at the quarterback position one way or the other, what's a little bit more? I mean, just bring in a quarterback that can compete with Flacco for the starting job already. Does Bridgewater's knee scare you at all, Chris? Bridgewater it does, knee. but that's, why I, that's also why I want him, because I think I can get him at a better price than Sam Bradford or Foles or any of the other options in the free agent quarterback. I, I'm a, I honestly want to draft with Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield. I wouldn't even mind trading up to do so. I want a quarterback. Am I crazy? Maybe, but guess what? I want Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. I want... I, that's what I want. I want to find the guy, have him sit behind Joe Flacco like Aaron Rodgers 
sat behind Brett Favre, and they just want to much less talented Brett Favre. I'm okay with that. I want the future to start now. If you if you want to cry about general managers, head coaches, and coordinators, I want to cry about quarterbacks because there's a lot of teams in the NFL looking for one, and Joe Flacco is not the future. Yeah, I, I agree with Chris 100% on that. And Bridgewater's going to be 25 next season, so, I mean, he's a, he's a young option. He led his team. To, he showed that he can lead his team to the playoffs and, and win, and, you know, if it wasn't for Blair Walsh, they would have they would have been in the next round of the playoffs. And so, I, and I, Bridgewater I, is high character. Yes, Bridgewater is a leader. Bridgewater is smart football IQ. He has great arm talent, and he's going to be the cheapest option in terms of the guys you could bring in that you could actually fight with Flacco. Yeah, the value that you could bring him in at uh, because of his knee injury is, is actually pretty significant for the Ravens. I mean, if you're willing to pay Ryan Mallett what you're paying Ryan Mallett, yeah. pay a little more for Bridgewater. Ryan Mallett certainly even get a roster spot. And, of course, Bridgewater will be on the sidelines during the Vikings and Eagles NFC Championship. Just some quick notes on that game. The Minnesota is currently favored by three, like I said, trying to become the first team to host the Super Bowl. The Vikings have the number one or number 11 offense and number one defense. The Steelers have the number four defense and number seven ranked offense. Two former St. Louis Rams quarterbacks squaring off, of course, in Nick Foles and Case Keenum. And, of course, Sam Bradford also on the sidelines as well for the Vikings, even though he won't be playing. I'm going Vikings here. I have a lot of Eagles fan friends at at, at my school, like I've I've said on the podcast before. I picked against them last week. I ate my words. I'm picking against them again. From watching Case Keenum all season, I trust him more than I trust Nick Foles. Do I think that the Vikings being an indoor team going to cold Philadelphia like Atlanta did last week scares me? Absolutely. Could I see the Eagles winning? Absolutely. Um, but I'm leaning Vikings here. I'm going to go 24-21. to 21. Uh, Real quick, so that would set up a Patriots and Vikings Super Bowl, which I think we're all in unison. Uh, but real quick, before we wrap things up here on the Emily Bird Podcast, I've asked myself this question. I've asked my family members this question and some friends that are Ravens fans. But as a Ravens fan hypothetically, if the Patriots won another Super Bowl, would that be okay with you guys? I personally don't, I, that, I'm immune to the Patriots winning Super Bowls now, and honestly, they would have six right up there with the Steelers, and even though we might get the whole six rings spiel, still, at least the Steelers wouldn't be the only team in the NFL to have six rings, which is the most of all time, so if the Patriots won, again, I'd be okay with it, would you guys be okay with it, is what I'm wondering. Uh, let me say this. That was the only reason I've ever thought to root for the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. But I still don't want it. I still don't want it. I, I will, and let me just say this. I got a feeling that the Vikings are going to win. That's my bad yeah. joke of the day, guys. <laughs> well, well, I mean, the, uh, the Patriots winning would – I'd just be like, okay, you know, because it's, it's kind of like clockwork now they're going to win it, you know, and and, and – I mean, I would be okay with it. I would rather it not happen. You know, I would rather the Eagles or the Vikings win it. I would rather somebody from the NFC win it. But, you know, if if the Patriots win it, then, you know, it's it's, it's okay. Well, one thing I can say is going to a, a school that is literally all Eagles fans, I will if the Patriots and Eagles play in the Super Bowl, I have no idea who I would be rooting for. So, a quick, a quick note just uh, on the Ebony Bird podcast before wrapping things up. Uh, no podcast next week, of course. Uh, next week, all that's going to be going on is just going to be the Pro Bowl. Uh, so we're just going to take the week off in terms of uh, having a, a Super Bowl preview show. But 
when we come back um, the week after, we'll kind of go over how each team got to where they were, and we'll talk about their success in the playoffs, and then we'll go into the Super Bowl preview. So just keep in mind, no Ebony Bird podcast next week. So again, I want to thank Connor for joining us again tonight. I know I didn't reach out to you until a couple hours before, but I appreciate you coming on despite the late notice, and we'll have to, in weeks where either Chris or Joe or whatever situation arises doesn't if one of us isn't able to do it, we do want to get all the contributors at Ebony Bird involved. So, Connor, we want to thank you for coming on tonight and definitely want to have you on again in the future. Absolutely. That was awesome, Connor. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So, for Chris and Connor, I'm Jake McDonald. Again, you can find us on Twitter at jmcdonald95, footballman58, and Connor underscore brooks14. Ebony underscore bird. It finds us on Twitter as well as ebonybird.com. And of course, it's coming to you through iTunes and Block Talk Radio. So enjoy Conference Championship Weekend, and we will talk to you in two weeks right here on the Ebony Bird Podcast, brought to you by Fan Science.